of what we do on the show uh there's a website called confessionpost.com and by the way um i'm doing this podcast with their permission their authorization and uh, the way their website works is people post anonymously uh some deeply personal material uh things they would probably be judged for if they were to admit it to just anybody and uh so what we're going to do on the show is uh i'm going to read out some confessions and my co-host, Lauren Villafania, will, re- will comment on them with me. And uh, so, uh, but first I'm going to tell you everyone about me. Um, I'm a podcaster on other shows. I have a true crime show called Human Monsters. And if you are a member of my YouTube channel, that's not news to you. But uh, that's my other podcasting gig as well as a, um, a podcast about the TV show Trailer Park Boys. So that's where I'm coming from. And uh, Lauren, uh, tell us about yourself. I know, well, the, really the most significant event of your life recently is you've had COVID. And tell us what that's been like. That's been, you've, been, you've gone through okay. some over that. Yeah. I mean, other than I can't taste or smell, my wispy baritone voice um, has really come out. But um, so I'm not sure it sounds great being recorded. But, um, you know, I, I like to stay home and do nothing. Then that's what I'm doing is healing. So I like to be a part of some hype. <laughs> Here it is. And, you're, you're, I mean, it was getting pretty bad for a while. Like your throat was closing over. Like, I mean, were there moments? It is a, where- it's a very bronchial uh, sickness. And, I, you know, that sucks for me. I'm a smoker. And, um, I, I, like, I get seasonal bronchial pneumonia. So I have to kind of be careful. Uh, it's a deep cough, so I just kind of have to not stay too active and then just rear my ass through it. Have you been smoking while you've had this? I ha- Actually, I have today, but I haven't through it because it actually hurts. It's pretty painful. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. You, know, um, you know, I got up for today for the first time and started cleaning. So right when I settle down, it's going to start to wear on me. I'm going to I'm going to start coughing up a storm, but I got me a puffer. So as long as you're moving around, you're kind of mixing it up and it doesn't get a chance to settle down your lungs. Is that what you mean? Yeah, it's going to my, my lungs will react here in a little in a little while. When I, right when I want to go to sleep, uh, I'll just die coughing. So overall, are you getting better? I think that I am. Um, I think a lot of the big parts of the symptoms for me are being extremely tired, coughing, and for a while, I couldn't breathe through my nose. So that's always fun that you have to, like, tilt yourself at a certain position in order to oh get air into your lungs. It's, it's, it's fun. But, um, like, there's just – I have no energy at all. So uh, my roommate just started having his symptoms. So that's another two weeks in the house, uh, uh, you know, babysitting him as well. Also, today he says to me, he says, you know, I feel so weird today. Every time my shirt touches me. When I take a right or a left turn, it's irritating. It irritates his skin. So, like, he's irritated by his clothes. Men are babies when they are sick. 
But that, have that's you guys uh, felt irritated by your clothes? Have you had that? No, I think that it's, everyone reacts differently. Um, but he's just his skin's reacting. He's just irritable and he's super tired and he's not coughing or anything. But uh, you know, there's there's layers and you know he's he's gonna get a lot more sick. So I'm pretty much stuck in the house uh, with him and his irritated shirts and clothes. So has your, anyways, doctor, has your doctor made a prediction about how how long it's gonna be before you're over it? So it's it's going to be different. Um, I'm an autoimmune baby, so I have to be extremely careful uh, with my breathing. And I try to keep the house clean, but I have dogs. So it's just like I can't taste or smell anything. Um, but it's very basic stuff. They're not going to give you any certain kinds of medicine. I mean, we don't even have a cure for the common cold. So it's it's just basic over-the-counter stuff i have to you know use a nebulizer but other than that i just have to watch it because i think the base basic part of like um covid symptoms is that it is bronchial and people tend to have problems breathing so that's fun because i'm like hyper targeted on this one but you sound like you now, so yeah you sound like you'll do well for this episode so so. all right so on to the confessions the juicy stuff um the first one is titled pedo thoughts so we're hitting the ground running with this one and this one goes this one goes sometimes i get the feeling that i should fuck my little sister she's 10 i'm 17 not sure what to do though text me uh yn rich dash oz on snap or something so so what first of all do you think this is even legit do you think this guy is just trying to raise some eyebrows or what I mean, if he says text me, I'm pretty sure, um, you know, he's pretty much prepared for the feedback. Uh, now, I, I, I naturally, the, the stuff I'm, you know, pretty exposed to true crime, so I, I think that it can be a legitimate concern. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, not like that I'm question. trying. Yeah, not that I'm trying to solicit sympathy for pedophiles, but I guess that must be kind of a lonely place to be in where. You know that you're one of the most hated people in society and you feel like you want to talk to someone about it, but you don't want to go into the dark web because maybe a cop will be waiting there for you. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I would say don't have sex with your little sister. <laughs> That's a no brainer. But uh, the, the fact that he's unsure about it, uh, what would you say to him? What would I say? <laughs> I would text him. Now, I'm I'm fascinated as to why people think the way they think, but I I mean, don't dare me. Like I'm gonna cuss someone out, or um, you know, I'll, I'll egg him on to figure out how much of a pedophile he is, and you know, see measure it, and you know, I'm no judge, but Jesus, <laughs> I mean, are you are you able? Like you can just confess on here, and then get like it's all not, it, it's anonymous. You, you don't even have a username. Okay. Well. In your email, but yeah. Yeah. See, so yeah, yeah, I think you would have been a really good interrogator for the police if you had chosen to go into that line of work. I say that. Because when you de- when you decide to put the pedal to the metal, like uh, when you put all that pressure on me to drink that time, 
I couldn't I couldn't resist you. You're very strong. You have a very strong personality. Thank you. I'm very short. It's Napoleon complex, but I'm okay with that now. I've come to terms. All right. So the next one is uh, walking around looking for used condom sperm drink. In summer, I walk around where hookers work, and I ask them to save the condom. They look at me, but they save it filled one cup and used um, – I don't know what this word is. Dick, I guess. There's very poor grammar on this one. And use the sperm someone never meet. Drink in lube. A few times having gay sex, I use it lube. So they're looking for used cum to, to use for, in gay sex. What, like, for lube? Because that's what I would use it for. I mean, or just to, like, save. Yeah, so in terms of him looking for, what what do you think would be a good source of uh, of used cum? Do you think he should continue? He should probably pay the prostitutes because if he's going to waste their time just uh, detaining them like this, I mean. Well, I mean. So, wait, so he's hiring them. He wants. He walks around and he's looking for semen yeah. inside condoms. Yeah, he's, he wants to use semen as lube, and he's asking hookers for it. But I'm thinking maybe he should be prepared to pay them for it, because if he's going to interrupt them, you know, to detain them to do that, then he should be prepared to compensate them. Absolutely. I mean, if you're going to save your your cum condoms. Oh, that's hot. And then yeah. why not save your own? Like, yeah, yeah, right. I mean, I guess it's uh, it's pretty squirrely using someone else's uh, diseases in a little tiny bag. I guess that's cute or whatever, a little gift bag. But I could take or leave. Yeah, yeah he should definitely pay him. Maybe that's part of the appeal, though, like the danger of knowing there could be AIDS in there. There could be, I, I don't know, syphilis still around. There could be syphilis in there. Uh just the, the risk of knowing what kind of cocktail could be inside of a. I think that's probably be. it. I think that the fact that it's a little a tiny bag of a mysterious danger that he's unaware of and this, this slimy, crazy lube um, really gets him off. Yeah. A lot of people are get off on danger, right? Like yeah, most. Yeah, I know a lot. Yeah. Like I've wondered if maybe gay sex used to be more fulfilling when it was against the law when it was considered immoral they knew they were flouting the standards of society i mean I i'm sure they so. i mean i think it's different for everyone but yeah there's a element behind um sex and danger that uh, you know just get, i mean i get it i get it i don't want to go into it yet i'll type in my own confessions and we'll talk about it but like um I can I can understand the element of, of sex and danger. Well, yeah, it's like, like those autoerotic asphyxiation people. Um, anyone who's not familiar with that, you tie like a belt around your neck or something. And the objective is uh, I think I think it's just guys who do this. Is the objective is to ejaculate before it strangles you to death. And a couple people have died from this. Well, they said Michael Hutchins of NXS died that way, but I think it turned out to be a rumor. But uh, a few people have, and it's not the best way to die. <laughs> Maybe but, it is, though, if you think about it. Well, but, I guess there's worse ways to go, but, yeah. 
Um, next one is I love wearing women's lingerie. Um, well, w- uh, well, there's an S and then two sex lingerie. How can how can I tell mom that I wear it? You have two sons, so um, is he wearing see, mom's lingerie? Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. Do you, well, okay. What was um John Wayne Gacy actually was wearing his mom's lingerie for a while, wasn't he? And Did then he, he just like mom? his mom found it, or his sister found it, and then his mom found it. And um, they didn't say anything to him. They I guess they accepted that he was different, but they're like, just don't tell dad. So uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like that's probably a pretty common a common thing. I don't know why you'd want to tell your mom, but um, you know, I don't know. Just I guess I guess, it would, I guess it would depend on her politics. Like nowadays, uh, so many liberals are accepting of transgenderism. So I guess if the mom was a liberal, maybe she'd be accepting of it. Then maybe she was conservative, maybe not tell her. Yeah, it really just depends on the mom. Yeah. It's, it's always a weird conversation. Yeah. You well, know? then then again, like Cher had this connection to the gay community for so long, and then her daughter comes out as a trans man, and she had trouble accepting it at first. So you never know. It's not always people. I think people have a way of idealizing their child's gender. So, like, would, like, would it be hard for you to accept if one of your sons announced to you that they were absolutely, transgender? Absolutely not. Um, but that's it's. I live in the turning point of like my generation is accepting of these things. Let's say my parents are not. You know, uh, some things are, you still have to get get used to. But I guess, um, you know, so much awareness has been risen. So I'm. I'm, I've been exposed, and um, I, I welcome if anyone's different, especially my child. If my child's different and he wants to be different out loud, then I support it. Okay, cool. And, uh, I mean, you haven't exactly been living under a rock for the last few months, so you must know about the incel movement, what that's all about? No, now that I feel like I'm under a rock, but okay. please tell me. All right, so an incel, it stands for involuntarily celibate. So these guys can't get laid, and they're blaming women for it. They they don't look at themselves and examine how they're, what mistakes they may be making, what their flaws may be. They're just, they feel like, well, women are denying them sex. And um, and I feel like part of it, too, is there, there's an enormous amount of pressure on young men these days to be very sexually active, so maybe that plays into it as well. Um, but this next confession seems like it was probably written by one of these guys, like the dude who who got into a van here in Toronto and ran all those people over who just was just sentenced. But anyway, so the title of this one is Sick of Women Friendly Bullshit by the Media. Every time I turn around, there's always some bullshit about how women are badass by doing things that men can do and more. They're always complaining about their problems to these talk show hosts. And then they always talk about opening up to let the world know it's okay to do so instead of going to a therapist behind closed doors like they should. And I'm definitely sick of the fucking government giving them lighter prison sentences than men when there's women who commit the same crimes as men. Uh, But just because they have tits and pussies, they're afraid to do what they like. In my opinion, I wish half of the female population 
would just fucking die off already. The world will be better off that way. Well, Does that sound like a guy needs to get laid? It sounds like a guy, um, he's not very charming, obviously. And um, I don't know, that's a, that's a brink of what a fucking serial killer is right there. Oh, yeah. I mean, so he's just tapping in. I, I guess if you don't get laid, uh, you're fucking doing it wrong. Well, they're not. They're not actually like going out to try to meet women either. These guys are sitting at their computers, at Reddit and these other sites, at the incel forums, and just complaining about these women. Uh, the women they call them Stacys, and the the guys who are getting laid they call them Chads. That's their their <laughs> lingo. Oh, good. Sounds like uh, I don't know volleyball players in the 80s to me, but anyway. Um, yeah, and it, so it's led to some violence. People have been murdered over this, and but these guys never ask themselves, you know, am I the common denominator of all these failures? If I'm being rejected time after time, couldn't it be? Why don't you just try something different? Yeah, right. You know, if all else fails. <clears throat> or a high, hire a prostitute, maybe. You can get laid. You can come. I mean, it just you think about your target audience. Uh, if you're going to get mad at Stacey and Karen, um, you know, just open a fucking new door. Anyways, the hate that builds against women um, right now. I don't I'm not even going to I don't want to touch base on that part because I don't I feel like it's just it's it's a double edged sword. Like I can lean over and show most of my neck. In a, in a room full of men, and they will do anything I say. I realize my own potential as a woman, um, but I don't – I'm not going to say I wouldn't take advantage of that situation because I probably have. But, like, you know, if if I'm going to have make a choice to have sex with someone, it's because they I'm actually uh, in tune with them. So, you know, try harder, buddy. Well, they seem to feel a sense of entitlement about it, and uh, that seems to lead to this bitterness. I get that, but you gotta you gotta try something different. I mean, if you're gonna get bitter and stay behind your computer, then uh, just you know, I guess skull fuck a chick next time you go out to the club. <laughs> I don't know. <clears throat> All right, this is kind of this one kind of falls into that same thread. Are we living in a women dominated society? My wife is boss. Well, there you go. She knows how to control me mentally, physically, and sexually. Last few years, she started dominating me in bed and having complete control. When I am angry on her, she makes me cool wearing her wearing hot outfits, makes me aroused, and gains the control of my dick. When she grabs it, I completely surrender. When I see my friends around, I have a feeling that they are also pretty much going through the same. Are we already into a female-dominated society? So on that one, I feel like maybe, you know, we, we tend to have fantasies that are the opposite of our real life. Um, it's, it's pretty possible that she doesn't have a lot of control out of the outside of the door of her own home. And so she comes home and she takes control and she's dominating or, or domineering in, in any in any sense, like sexual or, you know, um, clean the fucking kitchen. But um, it's it could be that she is that person or I, I am her. I mean, I'm, I'm 
I just like I'm militant in a sense where I know what I want done and I want it to be done. I don't care who's around me. This is the situation that's happening. If it's in my house, I'm going to make I'm going to make it happen. But sexually, I, I you know, I don't want any control. Well, what I, what I suspect he's really bitter about is the fact that that he is submissive to her, that he can't overcome this because he she he she knows he's easy to manipulate. And I think that's what bothers him. It's not her. Yeah. It's him. Yeah. So I think the good thing about this confession thing is that people can actually say this out loud. Uh, you know, whether he thinks that he knows that he's easy to manipulate, maybe him typing that uh, is his first time coming to terms with it. But if it's something that he needs to change, then at least he's aware of, you know, what what's going on. So he that's the first step. Yeah. And now here's an issue that involves females. Uh, the title is Make Myself Ugly. I hate how people treat me differently just because I'm conventionally attractive. How do I make myself ugly without hurting my body? So usually it's like women talking about how they don't consider themselves attractive enough, but she feels like she's being objectified or people are viewing her reductively because she's good looking, that she feels there's more substance to her than than style. So what what do you think she should do? Should she make herself less attractive? Would that make her life better? No, I mean that that is a I can un, I can understand that in a sense that you know uh, people do get treated differently by the way they look and that's that's a shame. But who cares? Like if you're being assertive and you're and you're talking to someone and your communication's good, you're smart enough to know and confident enough to know that's what you're getting done. So just work on your confidence. If you're beautiful, and it, it's a shame because most of the most beautiful women that I know have no self-esteem, none. They can't speak up for themselves or protect themselves. They just know that they can get whatever they want by manipulating a situation with their looks. And that's a shame. But, you know, I guess we're all raising awareness on that as well these days. And it even kind of feeds into like a body uh shape as well body size like a lot of women who are not at all overweight are convinced that they're fat that's another common thing right um another common thing is people trying to come to terms with them being just fat or whatever they think is fat yeah. and uh, the skinniest girl ever uh, thinks that she's fat you can't you can't serve any one individual uh, and know exactly how they think uh so i i it's it's just like it's up to you. It's up to you to yeah. be confident and to realize that everyone's an individual. It's it's hard for me to speak for women because um, yeah. I'm rare. I'm a rare type. Yeah, but I mean, aren't women's bodies supposed to have a certain amount of fat anyway to to be healthy? I mean, it generates estrogen, which is good for the female. I mean, that depends on the way that you're looking at it. It's depend, you know, and then. As opposed, it's the way that I look at it. Like, do I think I'm beautiful? Yes, I guess. Like, if I'm curvy and shit, I think that I'm disgusting. But I really don't. I don't give a shit like uh, anymore. I mean, I'll I'll work it out. I'll figure it out. But I'm confident. I'm funny. You know, I'll be. Yeah, you are. Yeah. Fuck it. Well, you are beautiful, actually. And I know you're. But I know you're filled with self-loathing, and which is which is a shame. But uh, we'll work on that, right? Mhm. Mhm. All right. So there's a new one here. Uh, it's a different issue. Deal with reality. 
Abortion equals murder of a baby. This is not Christian propaganda. This is fact. You killed your baby. Let's not sugarcoat this. That's okay. They're not wrong, but the thing is this: there was see there was a drop in the crime rate in America in the early 90s, and it was because of Roe versus Wade. Oh, I know. Yep, I did. Yep. So unwanted babies are often born into the world into very unfortunate circumstances. And is it really better to give someone a terrible life than to simply nip it in the bud? You know? No, I mean, we can think about um, adoption. A lot of people cannot have babies. We should try to, you know, emphasize on the fact that there are happy couples around here that need or want a family. Um, so uh, I, I, I don't know. You know, if I if I touch base on this abortion thing, yeah. uh, I don't think that it should be used as a form of birth control. No, I do think that it is necessary. It is necessary at times. And for certain situations, it's probably impossible for any clinic to figure out uh, whether the situation is necessary. But yeah, I think that they should be given all options as far as adoptions and stuff like that. But well, What's insane to me, there are politicians who feel like, it should be illegal, even in the case of incest. Like, really, someone should have their father's baby. Is that what you're telling me? You really believe that that should happen? You know? No. <laughs> I mean, that's just. I mean, what if the child finds out later on in life? Can you imagine how devastating it would be to learn that? Yes. I don't think situations like that are um, a situation that needs to be had. It's unfortunate, and I believe that that's when that'd be a situation where abortion is necessary. Yeah, the next one actually uh, provides pretty much the antithetical argument to the preceding one, not that they're connected, but uh, so the title Seven Abortions is the title. Okay. I have been sexually abused since the age of eight. My father raped me. My uncle raped me. I was taken out of my home and put in foster care. Three different foster dads raped me. And then several guys I dated pretty much took what they wanted I am at fault for not stopping it sooner, but now I am taking control of this sick life. I am no longer a pincushion. I am now going to be a strong woman who does not need to please anyone but myself. I will not cover for anyone any longer. So when you consider that circumstance, I mean. Well, I figured that one's pretty much laid out. She needed to say that. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Um to be raped by her own father and her uncle. I mean, it doesn't say that they got her pregnant, but then again, maybe that falls within the rubric of the seven abortions. Right. But uh, I don't know. I feel like uh, it should just be libertarian pro-choice on this issue, I guess. I mean, everyone has their opinion on it. But, well, do you think that taxpayer money should pay for it? Yeah. I feel like that's one of those things that is necessary. I mean, there's so many fucking people in the world. We don't want incestual kids running around and just accidents and there's going to be different kinds of poverty. Like, it's just no. I feel like she said what she needed to say, and that's that's an amazing thing. That's probably one of the best things about, like, you know, having to be able to confess something that you can't tell anyone else in the world. So that's that's good. Good for her. All right, and then the next one goes into completely different territory. The title is I'm Starting to Scare Myself. I'm reluctant to say anything because this is technically public, but since I will remain anonymous, I'm going to be very straightforward. 
I never used to think about harming other people or what it would be like to cut into a person with a knife. Neither was I a fan of horror movies. But lately, that's beginning to change with the Halloween season. I catch myself drifting off in thought, thinking about what I would do after I murder my parents. Sometimes I sit down on the couch and think about the perfect murder all morning or until I'm bothered. My family is realizing my head has been in the clouds. I've been slacking in school, and the only person I've told all this to is my boyfriend. So as a girl, he says I scare him, but he'll do what I, he'll do what he can to help. I don't know if that means he will help if I do decide to go through these thoughts or promise to put me in a nut ward. Either way, I'm starting to scare myself with how frequently I think about murdering someone, mostly my family, since I assume they would be the easiest to go after. I'm not here for attention or to brag. I want your serious opinion on what I should do. Kill someone to satisfy my thoughts or seek professional help. I'm at a loss. I can't talk to a family member without them probably involving the police. And I think my boyfriend is an inch away from breaking up with me. Well, obviously, she needs help. Um, um, I think that this is a perfect example of when people write down their own thoughts, that tends to, they write down their own answer. Now, if you, if you are scaring yourself, and then you ask for advice and then you, you say, should I just go ahead and, you know, whack someone out or get help? I think that we know what the answer is to that. Obviously, I'm not going to say just go whack your mom. But like, you know, if, if you're coming to terms with these are natural thoughts, uh, you need to talk to a friend to try to get it off your chest. And then um, if it's not received well and it's, it's a harsh subject, then uh Go whack your mom. I'm just yeah. <laughs> talk just to somebody. Talk to somebody. It's important. Well, this survey came out once. It revealed um, of all the respondents, um, over 90% admitted that they had had a homicidal fantasy at least once in their life. Because haven't we all had enemies? Haven't we all known someone we hated so much that we caught ourselves fantasizing about torturing <laughs> them or killing them or maybe wishing somebody else did it? I think that's probably very common, you know. I, I it is common. Um, did you hear about that cop and his thought crimes? No, I didn't. So he just like had a whole bunch of uh, crimes, like he was talking about uh, or thinking even just online. This isn't something that he ever did. Um, uh, about just murdering and dismembering people, but because he, you know, processed it from thought and then you made it into words and then it got online and his whole his old his old lady found it they're trying to find a way to and i don't want to ruin it for anyone you know get him put up for the rest of his life just for a thought crime oh yeah that well i mean you got to get it out somehow i guess and you know if you could just write it down that would at least help you know like i went through a phase where i was full of a lot of rage because of abuse when i was growing up and I wrote a novel that was very graphically violent, described murders in the kind of detail you might read about in a medical textbook where it was getting down to bone shape and everything. But that helped a lot. It was art therapy. So I got it out of my system doing it that way. Um, so I, I would recommend to someone who is having these thoughts, these fantasies, write about it. And it doesn't mean you have to write it well. You don't have to be Shakespeare, but 
start a journal and not online though i would say just buy a notebook and write it down but i think that would help much better but you know our species evolved in very dangerous circumstances for millions of years we had to kill other people and fight other people and kill us so i mean can you really put a cap on that after all that time probably not after all the time <laughs> like seven years statute limitation yeah i mean people still kill people it's not as common but but then again it, it's they they normalize it when they go to war right suddenly they portray it as normal under those circumstances yeah so, kill for peace kill for peace yeah um, it's all context I, I think i think that that it's important it's a, it is important you're right to write it down people who you know, they don't realize how much they help. They can help themselves just by uh, reflecting on a piece of paper. You know, it's it's a lot. Even just telling someone, telling a friend, it confirms what you believe is true, uh, and what you've been thinking is a reality. So, um, you know, whether it not be received well or not, that's that's up to the other person if it's they're hearing it. But you just got to be smart about it and don't scare yourself. By the time it comes to you scaring yourself, that's a different story. All right, next one uh, takes a different tack. Uh, the title is Sex with Stepdaughter. Uh, you were telling me about that uh, Woody Allen documentary that you saw. So this right, is kind right. of similar, I guess. I mean, that was in the was that was Dylan his biological daughter or was that an adopt? Was no, she adopt- he didn't have any. I don't think he had any. Uh, they were all like adopted, I believe. Uh, don't quote me on it, like because I was up cleaning and trying to do stuff at the same time. But I, I had to recover because right when you learn about someone just like doing their kids, it's just it's you know yeah. it's, it's off putting. But so the step the sex with the stepdaughter thing, like these things are so common and normalized on porn, uh, which is I don't know if that's unfortunate or not. You just have to be smart uh, and not you know fuck your family but like you know people have daddy and mommy issues and then they turn it into a sexual fantasy um so my take on it is you know again it's it's probably up to the individual uh trying not to probably act on that would would be a mistake yeah i uh well it seems like on one hand it could be fiction on the other hand maybe it could be his fantasy too and he's just kind of working it out in words so that he doesn't actually do it but, uh, yeah, so he goes into a lot of detail. So uh, the way it goes is I confess I had sex with my 18-year-old stepdaughter. She was the one that first showed interest in me, but I soon got feelings. She gets me so hot with her long legs and firm ass. She already overheard me masturbating, calling out her name, fantasizing about <laughs> coming inside her. Uh, one day she walked in my room after a shower, dropped her robe, and we consummated those feelings I took my time because I know she is a virgin. I slowly plunged my penis inside her. I was thrusting and thinking to myself, I never thought I would be doing this. Well, I don't know. It sounds like maybe he might have considered it a time or two. I think that you were thinking about it. <laughs> After about five minutes, I knew I was about to come. Seven years of unprotected sex with no birth control has gotten no pregnancy. Being 38, I've been having the urge to procreate. So not caring about the aftermath, I released five days' worth of semen inside her. She wanted my seed as she overheard my fantasy. 
I thrust it deeper as each pulse of uh, semen came out, her moaning to keep coming. And just like that, her tight Filipina pussy was a virgin no more and was dripping my cum. We know how regular sex, and I suspect we now have regular sex, rather, and I suspect the wife knows but has, hasn't said anything as I previously told her about the daughter's advances and she did nothing. When we are with everyone, we act business as usual, but we fuck every chance we're alone. My cock constantly has dried pussy juice on it, and I rarely go more than 36 hours without sex. Without they, they censor all these words. Uh, the daughter or wife. Funny thing is we've closer, we're closer than ever. The wife no longer accuses me of fucking some random chick, which was annoying as hell. Does this sound legit to you? <laughs> well, uh, it was annoying to fuck a random chick, but my daughter's okay. Sure. Um, I don't know, man. If you're an adult and you're, it's it's gross. I'm freaked out. Like I'm a little freaked out. But also 18, and let's. I I don't know. I don't know what to say on this one. Like, cause because it's so wordy, he's just reliving this fantasy. Um, you never know if these confessions are true. And yeah. also, maybe he just wanted to say that and, um, you know, come dump all over himself. But I I I, I wouldn't recommend having sex with your with your stepdaughter. Well, could he really keep that under wraps? Can you really have an affair when you're living with a person? Imagine having- could. I imagine that it is possible. I mean, I've, I've like I've heard stories about that being a possibility for years, but these kids don't turn out okay. Oh no, not even if they're 18. You know, and it's like the, these parents have to know that. They have to know that. Well, yeah, I mean, he he violated her boundaries. Yeah, you can justify it by saying that they make uh, advances, but you know what? This is going to piss yeah. me off. Like, I'm going to go and do, like, a super rage and just want to kill everyone myself, but I'll think about <laughs> later. Well, I guess it's like how, like, there are little girls who might have a crush on their teacher, but if he actually acted on it, it would be traumatic, so. Yeah, I mean, it would be terrifying. Yeah. I had a crush on my fifth grade teacher, and he tried to take me to uh, our softball team, because he's also the coach of a softball team, and he was so freaked out because I didn't have a ride, and he had to give me a ride. Um, and he's like, I'm not sure what the rules are, and this is, like, 80, I don't know, 89, 90. And um, I'm not sure what the rules are about me driving a child to, you know, being in, alone with a child in a vehicle to this other place. So he went through all of the things that made it to where it was it was OK uh, for me to go with him or whatever. <clears throat> and um, at that point, I came to terms with, I'm just a kid. This is just a weird crush. I, I didn't imagine all the people that would be involved involved if I, like, you know, wanted to seduce my fifth grade teacher. How old are you in the fifth grade? I don't know. But um, I was, I'm sure it nine, was. Nine, ten, maybe? Well, if that was 1990, what, you would have been eight years old, so, fifth yeah. Grade. Well, fifth grade, you're, like, 12 or some shit. I think, I think 12 is grade six. Yeah, or sixth grade, as you say. Either way, like, I, I, it was, it's gross. I think about it now, like, I was a runaway, and I'm like, God, I was so young, pretending to know everything, and I 
lost my virginity at a very early age. And I'm thinking about it now and I'm looking at kids now. I'm like, God, y'all, y'all are gross. Everybody, all these kids are dressing up, all this makeup and shit. It's weird. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you, let me guess. You, you, you consider that you were too young when you lost it, right? No, honestly, I wanted to get it out of the way. I thought there was oh, so did. much hype and I was just like, I just don't want to be a virgin. Just like, I, well, that was the 90s. I, I can see that, yeah. Yeah, I didn't, we didn't have, uh, or I didn't have a, a certain standard, I guess, at the time. Yeah, because it seems like most women, they always seem to regret it. They never speak of the, the, the loss of their virginity as a positive experience. That seems to be a rare thing. Uh, so the next one is just titled Sister. I had a dream that I fucked my sister's pussy and ass, and I want to do it in real life now. But I don't know if she would let me. Maybe if she's drunk enough. <laughs> she won't. No. And if she's drunk enough, the fantasy's getting ter- taking a turn. You know, yeah. you're, you know, be careful. She probably won't. Most people don't. I mean, I guess if they're sister and brother, don't don't uh, share the same. He just probably just wants to fuck. Like he's young. Yeah. But I think that's pretty common. Well, that's the unconscious for you. Sometimes it'll fuck with you by taunting you with taboos while you have dreams. And uh, they can be pretty bad because they confront you with things you'd rather not be confronted with. But that doesn't mean that you really do want to have sex with your sister. They're called intrusive thoughts, and they're never of a positive nature. All right, so the next one is looking for feedy. So, hey, I'm in my late 20s, and I love voluptuous women but I'm looking for a feedy feeder relationship. If you're in New Jersey, Passaic County, near the Butler area, please leave a message and we can meet at a certain time. Um, so do you know about that, the feedy culture? I do not. Absolutely. So what happens is, uh, so a woman meets a guy and he has, uh, he has a fat fetish and he actually feeds her more to get me, to make her bigger. So he'll deliberately feed her make her gain weight probably lots of high sugar foods high carbs and stuff and uh they may even videotape it or take photos and it's all about making the girl bigger and some people feel oh, like okay even, yeah i'd love to do that some women feel like we well they see it as a body positivity thing it's their choice they give consent but there are other people feel it's abuse because It'll wreck their health eventually. It will wreck their health. It is uh, a form of abuse. Uh, you know, a fantasy is a fantasy is a fantasy. Um, God, I wish, like, food is, uh, that's all I fantasize about. <laughs> all I want to do is eat. But, and if somebody wants to feed me, I'm just, I'm not sure that I would say no. But, you know, to take it to a new level and um, get unhealthy with it, I, I might. I might not, but it really just depends on what you're cooking that night. Yeah, I, I sent her a box of cupcakes for Valentine's Day, folks. And was that taunting you? Was that staring you in the face like every moment of every hour? Uh, the yes. I'm talking about <laughs> sugar's addictive. It's not even nice. Uh, we ate the shit out of it. Everybody, me and, yeah. me and Nick. But it was so sweet. Like, I had to eat the icing separate from the actual cake because both was an event on its own. Yeah, I once read that that women think about eating as often as men think about sex. So it's like 
Have, have you do you are you into food porn? Do you go online just to like look at pictures of foods and stuff? It doesn't, you know, arouse my sexual fantasy at all. It just makes me happy because I'm human that eats food. But I imagine it hits on the same um, nerves in the brain, possibly. Yeah, the endorphins, yeah. So, yeah, I think a lot of people who view feederism as abuse, maybe they see it the same way as, like, if a woman was an alcoholic and maybe she had a boyfriend who controlled her by indulging the addiction, like, bringing home booze all the time and that way if she's drunk then he can do what he wants with her and uh i guess if you keep feeding a woman and that's what she's addicted to she's addicted to food yeah food is a real drug that is a real thing i I feel like you can utilize that in the same way that anyone um that does heroin or cocaine well how many people are addicted to exercise right well, there's actually, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of people who are insane. There, there's a few, but I think that isn't that the minority though. <laughs> people who are like addicted to work. Well, they say it's like kind of like a anorexia in a way. It is kind of an anorexia, and it's also it's a it's a whole other fear of being fat. There's a whole other like, you know, the the fad of being skinny and shit. That's a real that is a real thing. Not being fat, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's pretty serious. But every time I go to the gym, I'm so pissed off at fucking Karen on doing cardio, <laughs> looking like she's so happy. Sorry, I'm coughing. Well, they keep talking about this aerobic high, but I, I must have gotten a hold of some bad shit because I always came away from the gym feeling miserable, you know, just exhausted and sweaty and much more. After that, though, there's a sense of accomplishment, but – um. I, I mean, I'm not really, I'm not really into it. My mom is now. She just lost oh, all her weight. She's, it's, she's a completely new person, and I make fun of her all the time. So if you happen to enjoy exercise, you'll get a high. But if you don't, you won't, right? So whatever it is you enjoy doing, like you enjoy cooking, does that give you a natural high? It does. It soothes me down. It's, it is a, an, again, it's another feeling of accomplishment. Now, when I cook, I don't usually eat it. I'm eating while I'm cooking. Um, if you've seen um, what is that wedding wedding planner, wedding singer <laughs> with no, Adam Sandler? Adam Sandler is the one that, he does the wedding singer. I'm wedding that crash. Old, yeah, that's the one. I'm that old lady, the meatball lady that can't wait to watch somebody eat her meatballs. I'm going oh, because I get so excited when I watch somebody eat my food. Why but, was your mother like that? Was your mother? Does she cook a lot or? So my her parents did. <laughs> she cooked, but she did you know a very typical um, white white woman cook. She was always on a diet, so that means everyone was on a diet. It was like chicken no seasoning. She wanted to bake everything. Anyways, it was upsetting, but it wasn't upsetting then. It is now. When I'm looking back on it, like we had to be on her diets constantly. Yeah, now now you're cooking like. Real gourmet kind of stuff. <laughs> I heard, but like I know how to cook it. I don't know. If I can follow a recipe. I can add a little heat. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening to this, the debut episode of the Confession Post podcast. The opinions expressed in this show are those of the hosts and do not reflect those of the creators and administrators 
of ConfessionPulse.com.